In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Brand New Studio. Goodbye, raggedy old church chairs. Welcome in to episode 46 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Captain Crunchy Chase Thompson. And I am really about to go nuclear, Nick. Not really, because it's not that worth it. But what does that have to do with the number 46? It has nothing to do with number 46. It was a very special occasion because we are in a brand new studio Thanks to uh, last-minute decisions oh, on our me. part, and uh, <laughs> hallelujah! <laughs> and so I still have an inadequate chair, though, so I'm a little bit miffed at your introduction. Well, no you one have the best chair of all, which is you know no, not Nick, surprising to no, anybody. <laughs> yeah, my chair is pretty. Cool. No one listening to the podcast can see the surroundings, but they are much better than the old surroundings. And if you very like, nice, yeah, spacious. So, we had a we had a wall of uh, church chairs behind us in the old place, as well as a bunch of Hebrews tapes, <laughs> special type of Hebrews special tapes. Hebrews tapes, according to certain listeners of the show. So, and true story: we were about to start broadcasting in the old Hall of Dogma studio. David took lo- one look at how it looked behind us on video and said, "Ah, guys, I think we've got he to went move full diva mode to the, the so, new right. room." So we're trying. And we did. We made it happen. We're trying something new this week, just as a plug for our Facebook page, the uh, Hall of Dogma on Facebook, HallofDogma.com. Um, we actually posted a Google Hangout link, uh, an interactive one that's on um, that went to the Hall of Dogma, so people could actually log in and watch uh, pre-show prep and. Uh, watch the broadcast of the show if they so chose um and we had several people who apparently had nothing else better to do on a sunday night <laughs> so way, to, they, way to way to say that Dave. we're gonna pray for them shortly <laughs> and i think we should mention nathan martin kind of made this happen uh he bankrolled it essentially yeah, yeah he sent you copious amounts of money which More you refused to spend to, i don't know what to do with it i would okay private from now on that gentleman should send the money to me and i will take care of it and Don't we do will. it. Don't so next week it. we're actually going to try to uh, actually do like a broadcast so more people could can join um, if uh, Nick knows how to do that. We will find. Uh, okay. I don't necessarily love so, hangouts anyway. Um, all right. So we'll find, we'll find something. But if you want to be a part of that, you can join the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, and we will post that next Sunday night when we get ready to broadcast episode 47. For tonight, guys, what is on tap? Chase, what are you going to be talking about tonight? I am going to talk about some potentially sound biblical advice from an atheist. Well, we'll be the judge of that. Well, I always get my uh, biblical advice from people who do not believe in God. Sounds sounds like a wise. sound plan. Yeah, yeah. Nick, what are you uh, going to uh, bring to the table? <laughs> um, sorry, I've been trying to think of a nifty cutesy way to say this, um, but basically Relevant took issue with Joshua, Joshua Harris, and we're going to figure out which side. Joshua Harris, yeah. the uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye yes, yes. gentleman. He also kissed his hair goodbye, but 
that is, old uh, age happens to all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like he went on, he went full on like kingpin. Like he's just, he's gone. I've always said if I start to lose it and I'm kind of, I'm in the button, I'm in the neighborhood. I've noticed the front is getting longer. I did not know if it was to cover other, but no, I got a haircut now, but if it really starts coming out, it's shaved. Well, I am going to talk about right now. Uh, we'll get into a little uh, of this story. The Gospel Coalition has decided to include, wait for it, guys, non-Christians Whoa. in a panel discussion on race issues at their upcoming, uh, I believe it's at their upcoming national conference. Uh, haven't um, There is such a thing as a non-Christian. That's interesting. Yeah, they are out there. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the Gospel oh, Coalition wait. has put them on a panel discussion panel, and not everyone is happy about that, including friend of the show, J.D. Hall, at pulpitandpen.org. You're going to make these people mad again? Actually, J.D. Hall has... So we have mutual friends with J.D. Hall. So there are people who listen to our show who are also uh, fans of or enjoy J.D. Hall. And um, I have a few issues with him as a brother in Christ. He does have a lot of guns. <laughs> he does. Just saying. Well, I'm not going to get into the personal aspects of uh, with J.D. Hall, but here, here's the deal. So um, yeah, he, he laid out an article on his website um, kind of deriding this decision uh, that the Gospel Coalition would have um, – non-Christians, uh, non-Christian set of voices for a panel. The uh, discussion is about justice and race, and their speakers include a criminologist, a college professor, an assistant United States attorney, a music producer, and a chief of police. And I don't have the names of those gentlemen uh, or ladies who are going to be on the panel. Uh, the Gospel Coalition has said of uh, this decision, Not everyone on the panel is an ally, that is, a born-again Christian with whom we can go a long way down the road, although they are co-belligerents, that is, people committed to promoting justice in our neighborhoods, building trust between law enforcement and our communities, and finding a place for local churches to play a role in racial reconciliation efforts. So co-belligerents, I had not really heard that term before. Can that be Uh, my new title? I think you would just be the, I think you would just be the belligerent no well, code. I'm not always anyway. Okay, so we'll have that conversation. Um now apparently co-belligerent is a uh, maybe a from a Francis Schaeffer quote, but it's a it's a person who may not have any sufficient basis for taking the right position, but they take the right position on a single issue. And so you would have them join you on that issue because they happen to take the right position. Uh now JD Hall and um the guys over at Pulpit and Pen uh, really took um, issue with this, and uh, and and let me read a quote from them. It's actually, I think, a, a, a pretty good quote. They said the real issue, the real problem in uh, issues of justice and, and 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 race issues, social justice issues, race issues, is sin, and because the real problem is sin, the only um, Solution. The true solution is the gospel. None of the non-believers on that panel will agree with the fundamental underlying problem of sin, and likewise, none of those non-believers on that panel will agree with the solution, which is the gospel. And so, just kind of throwing it open for discussion, guys. What do you think in a, in a, in a large organization like the Gospel Coalition, who uh, obviously has a lot of followers, a lot of people who look to them for articles and answers um, when it comes to this particular issue, social justice and race? relations 
They have pulled together panelists that are from outside Christian circles with the idea that, hey, we all have kind of the same uh, thoughts and we're on the right side of this issue, so let's join together. Uh, But some people, some brothers and sisters in Christ are pushing back on that and saying no, because they are not going to agree on what the real problem and real solution is that is sin in the gospel. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I've seen I've seen some Christians uh, on various forms of social media, uh, including some people I respect very much, essentially say that they are uh, they're no longer going to be uh, partnering or or part of or or running with the Gospel Coalition. Uh, that they're finished with any sort of association with the Gospel Coalition because of this decision. Um, I, you know, just just thinking about the leadership of the Gospel Coalition, I would say this kind of in a challenging sort of way. If you are talking about backing away from people like Vadi Bakum and Tabidi, uh, oh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, Anna Wabili. Yes, that's pretty. That's actually pretty close. Uh, D. A. Carson. If you're talking about backing away from people like that because they're not conservative enough for you, I would say, and again, please hear me gently. Consider whether you are drawing your circles too narrow, that you, whether you are excluding too great a swath of the body of Christ, and whether you've really considered the the core heart behind Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he cries out for true believers to be in uh, in real unity, because I, I think you can disagree with this movement, David. I think you can disagree with having non-Christians come in and, and uh, address an issue and not say, we need to sever fellowship over this. Um, you're, you're kind of pushing back on the way maybe – uh, pulpit and pen or JD Hall, those guys maybe. I'm maybe, actually not not specifically not specifically them. talking. I, I've them. seen other people essentially okay. say, "Hey, we're, we're done with this. Okay. We're done with the gospel coalition." They so a little bit of a pushback from you on the approach to um, the gospel coalition from other Christians based on a disagreement. Well, you, I mean, you see, you see, Peter and Paul had a, obviously a very significant disagreement over the nature of the gospel. Uh, Paul writes about it, how he uh, rebuked Peter to his face. But you will notice, even though Peter got the gospel wrong, even though Peter was uh, essentially being racist, uh, Paul did not remove himself from fellowship. He he did the right thing. Um, he 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 called him to repentance, uh, but didn't disfellowship him. And I, I I'm troubled by the disfellowshipping. I, I guess I'm moving ahead though. I, you're you're asking me what my take yeah, is well, on <clears throat> well that's TGC I mean I, having unbelievers yeah I mean I think I, that's I'd like to get your input on that but I mean I I definitely agree I think there's too many um, issues that that are popping up now that we're using as a severing uh, you know a severing issue so we're we're done with these people you know goodbye to them you know essentially we're going to treat them as not brothers and sisters in Christ because we have a disagreement uh, which is which is what's happening. Um, but I, I do want to. I'll go to Nick for a comment. But I want to come back and ask, in general, your here. thoughts on. You sure? Yeah. Okay. In general, your thoughts on having uh, non Christians on a Christian panel. Uh, so, Nick, your thoughts on that? This is the edited version, right? Should oh, be. Well, look, you're going to edit it when we get done. So whatever you want it to be, um, buddy. Whatever no, you want it to be. When we were talking about, we were talking about this in prep um, earlier today. You know, the, the thing that just came to mind is that. Um, I don't wonder if some wouldn't see the church as so stuck in their program or their routine that 
they don't need a fresh voice on it. Um, and so I guess my thought of bringing in experts on an issue to provide information about context and then saying, okay, we've been talking to these experts. Here's the issue. Now here's the gospel solution to a problem. I don't know that that's, I don't know that that offends me or bothers me at all. I know in plenty of times in, in different teachings or sermons I've had pastors or, you know, theologians or teachers will bring in quote unquote secular knowledge or information to provide context, to provide deeper understanding and learning on a topic. Um, and so if, if they're looking for these speakers to provide the solutions, then maybe, maybe not. But if it's information or context, I, th- I think that's beneficial. Um, you know, uh, when they did a conference, uh, Chandler was part of it. Platt was part of it. It was engaged the South. And I know some people liked it. Some people didn't, but, um, you know, it just, it, it kind of, put some of the issues of race race relations point center for, for some people that I don't think always considered it. And I, you know, I think that can be valuable. Well, so, some of these guys I think too are getting into, you know, cause you got guys like Russell Moore, Al Muller, who are um, kind of a, uh, I think a part of the TGC, at least maybe Moller is. Um, and, and also they're kind of bringing up how they have had this, partnership now or they're, they're trying to have a partnership with the roman catholic church which you know this segment of of guys um you know really disagree with that um but i mean i guess it's finding you know is it's you know finding that so let's take an issue like um uh, human trafficking you know can you come together with people christians and non-christians alike and and find agreement on that issue and work together and there's a part of me that says, yes, you can. I mean, without saying that, without seeding ground that the ultimate solution is the gospel, that there's still a way. I mean, for example, if you have a, if you have a group of people in some country that's uh, trafficking minors, and there's a way for a, a coalition of both Christians and non-Christians to come together to promote justice and end that trafficking, then I think that's a, it, that's a good thing. That is not pretending that that's the ultimate answer to the problem, you know, the gospel. But just to say, okay, someone has to be a Christian, someone has to agree with the gospel in order for us to work together. Yeah. If the underlying if if the underlying core principle is one that God would promote, which is one of justice and less ending some travesty, then to me the non Christian is taking part of that taking part in that, whether they really agree, uh, whether they really understand they're agreeing with gospel principles or not, because they're seeking justice in that situation, which is an ending of, of the... Uh, so, I mean, I, I get the the thought that we don't want to promote... We don't want to promote solutions to problems that are not the ultimate solution. We don't want to pretend that we can clearly bring justice and racial harmony from just a practical standpoint without talking about the gospel. But I, I don't think that keeps you from working with people from all walks of life on the issue to try to, to come up with solutions. Well, I, I think that's a good point. And, and I will say, I'll start with a point of agreement I have with, with J.D. Hall and many of the other people that have raised issues with this. I do agree. The ultimate answer is absolutely the gospel. Hmm. And the, none of the non-believers on the panel, on the platform, will agree that the fundamental underlying problem is not racism itself, it's sin. 
uh, you know, and they won't agree with that. They won't see that. But that doesn't mean that dialogue won't be productive. I mean, I think back to one thing we did at the Hall of Dogma Church years ago. Uh, it was 2009, 2008, at the height of the uh, economic uh, problem, the the Great Recession that was happening. Um, we had a panel one Sunday morning. It was all believers. I remember that. It, it was scriptural based, and it was about how do we, as Christians, navigate through this economic situation. Again, they were all Christians, um, and and I I, I don't think. I don't think on a Sunday morning on one of the gathering of the believers, you should have a panel that has unbelievers and you kind of have this dialogue. You would not be for that on a – I would not be for that – A Lord's Day. In a gathering gathering. of believers kind of setting. But like a Sunday night panel, a Tuesday night thing that you you host at the church or even the the, the church is a part of at at City Hall or something like that. Are we saying, J.D., are we saying that dialogue with unbelievers that doesn't necessarily center around the the gospel is always going to be compromise and sin? Because I don't know that you can scripturally say that. I think we the, the knowing the gospel is the ultimate answer doesn't mean that every conversation we have with nonbelievers has to start and end with the gospel. So, you know, one one thing uh, we have I, I don't think it should be left out. Please don't hear me minimizing the gospel. I'm just saying we can have other conversations too. Okay, and we have about, you know, 4 minutes or so left in this segment, but I want to throw in a couple things from the group chat. Okay, cool. Um uh, yeah, let, get get ready to do that. Here here's a question. So Jesus said John 15 I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. Okay, so what is, you know, there, there, there comes a question of can truly, you know, what does that mean? You can do nothing apart from Christ. Now, I, I kind of take the approach that that means ultimately things of lasting value, ultimate solutions are not going to come without Christ working in us. But to me, there is a general grace that God has given all people, and 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 it, it's almost like the guys, like JD Hall and the guys, are saying, "Look, you have nothing to offer if you're not a Christian." And and there there's an agreement in you can't if you're not a Christian, you're not offering the ultimate solution, which is the gospel, truly the only solution that matters. But to say that, look, no one has value and has anything to offer that's of any of any worth, I don't think that's what Jesus meant in John 15. Um, that that unless you're a Christian, you have nothing of real value to be able to offer, and you cannot do anything. I agree with that. Um, so, and that's almost seems like what they're saying is that there's really nothing good for you to say if if you're not a believer. Which yeah. to me is is part of the. I don't know. It sounds arrogant. Do you guys to happen agree. to remember the the story Jesus told to illustrate loving your neighbor, to illustrate um, who your neighbor is? Uh, the Good Samaritan? Yes, the Good Samaritan. And if you read the Good Samaritan, you'll find that the Good Samaritan took care of the person who was beaten and dying, and there's no mention of the, of the gospel explicitly in that, yet it was used by Jesus as a, as a, an ultimate example of love. And so again, I, I want to stress, I think all three of us would agree with this, uh, sin is the issue, the gospel is the answer, what Jesus did on the cross is the answer. But I, I think you have to really justify yourself if you're saying that the Gospel Coalition is is in sin here, and I don't know that you can pull out scriptural authority to do that, but I would be interested in listening to an argument that tries to. 
I would too, because I, I will say I am not a fan of what has commonly become known as the social gospel, which is essentially and I'm not a fan of ecumenism. Is you know just kind of similarly. <laughs> well, I'm not either. I mean. Anyway, I, I, really? I don't. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, you know, it's. Um, Look at I, I completely lost my train of thought. What did I say? I was not a fan of social gospel. Social gospel. Yeah. Thank you. I was. I'm not a fan of that because that's essentially. You know, that's the let's go and and feed the poor, let's clothe them, let's take care of their physical issues. We're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about those. We're just going to love people by meeting their physical needs. That is too far in the other direction I, because you're agree. not presenting the ultimate solution to problems, which is the gospel. And you're, you're feeding clothing and loving people. You're putting band-aid and, on scratches when they're bleeding from mortal wounds. Yes. I like that. All right, Nick, what was some of the feedback from the interactive audience tonight? Um, they've gone a couple of different ways, but um, Herschel, the issue of race is not limited to religion. Um, he supports the use of experts, both Christian and not uh, the purpose is for information, not for non-Christians to attempt to sway the audience to a non-Christian viewpoint. That's good. Um, Herschel should know he graduated from a fine seminary institution in Liberty. The same Shout institution out. that you wow. graduated from. They turn out the finest of <laughs> theologians. <laughs> uh, Jeff just kind of echoed that, um, that, that race is broader than religion. Um, Nathan um, went a little uh, Blaze article with um, talking about sentencing reform. And so we'll move on. Um, Jeff, I think as long as we're not pretending the social gospel is the real gospel, there's plenty to gain from equipping nonbelievers. So um, yeah. some good insight from the hall, hall there. So thank you for that. Jeff just said God can use talking donkeys. Yes. David, Shout out you're to Balaam. This, <laughs> this podcast is a – Hold on. I need to screen cap the look, what David looks like right now and use it for the uh... – Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good deal. Uh, leave us uh, if you have other feedback. Uh, appreciate the uh, interactive panel. That's actually kind of a uh, that's kind of cool. Isn't that's it? kind of that's cool. Really I, we didn't realize that was uh, possible. Good so, plan, Nathan. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, this may uh, may be the start of something. We um, also welcome your feedback to us. Uh, <laughs> Do forgive kind of the um, stumbling over it tonight, just because it's the first time we've done it. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, you you can reach us, give us some feedback on Twitter at my gospel friends or even over email. Is it uh, gospel friends at gmail.com? The gospel friends at gmail.com. The gospel friends at gmail.com or at my gospel friends on Twitter. Yeah, I just said that. Did you say that one? Yeah, Sorry. I did. And so, well, look, I was uh, shoot us, with shoot us some uh, contact info, and we'll. Uh, or sh- I'm sorry, shoot us some uh, feedback. Don't shoot us to shoot this us story. Some info. Uh, speaking of uh, stories, guys, it is uh, time for the ever-popular segment. Time to play the game. We don't have a game tonight. Oh, I was trying. Ever-popular segment. What well, were, if we done show prep? What were you thinking? Well, no. If you guys had been paying attention during show prep and not actually just taking a test drive on your, your new toy that you have out here, the uh, interactive hangout chat, then you would have known. Yeah, because that's all it was. It was. Anyway. Okay. I think what you expressed were, that better the second time than the first time. Good <laughs> what job. Were you, I don't know what you're talking about. What were you thinking? We are going to just do a quick um, – we have uh, three stories here. We're going to do a quick uh, look around the world. Uh, what were you thinking? And then we are going to uh, – Chase apparently has something called the Hellman's Tragedy to share with us. You're not supposed to read the notes to, to the oh, people. Oh, sorry. My bad. Those are, you know – all right. Two inside baseball. Let's start in Russia with our, our good friends, the Russians. Don't we have a Russian in the hall? 
We do. Well, sort of. The he Hall of Dogma Russia. on Facebook. Oh, he yeah. lives in Russia. Okay. Owen. Russia. This is this is my uh, from the Hall of Dogma. Now, if you if this is the first time you're listening to the show, we have uh, the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, but it is a a pretty uh, crazy interactive bunch of guys and gals who um, uh, get into much like this show, get into deep theological discussions, but also they get into um, just. Uh, you know, fun and sarcasm. One of the guys in the hall is a guy named Chris Atwood. Chris is famous for his internet memes. Yep. And so when I saw this story from Russia, I thought this would make Chris cry. Uh, Russia has struck a blow against freedom and democracy in its most threatening <laughs> form. In its most threatening form, the internet meme. The Russian government's media Those bureau villains. announced this week that internet memes depicting celebrities are illegal if they don't accurately represent the celebrity's personality. So apparently there are memes in Russia, and I'm looking at one now <laughs> that I wish everyone could see, but it's Vladimir Putin riding a Ritz cracker. That's rotating. That's rotating. Rapidly under him. Yeah. Um, it is It is quite stellar. That's, a, that's an amazing picture. You've got to find that if you possibly can. Yeah, when I need to uh, post that. So this is from the Huffington Post. Uh, this is not an announcement of Bastion a new law. Of truth and liberty. <laughs> it is a clarification of an existing policy of no fun for anyone. <laughs> so, oh my god! <laughs> uh, but no, this is uh, they. They did not like people making fun of their celebrities. Primarily, have you seen the? There it is. Oh, I, I've primarily there. How he's I've a, seen that. Primarily their no, go ahead. government how officials. How he's not what? How he's avoiding any kind of rash right now. I don't I don't know. But uh, anyway, what do you Chase, what are you what are your thoughts on Vladimir image of the yeah, show? You can't you should do it. What do you think about Vladimir and his cohorts uh, cracking down on internet memes? Any thoughts? I think poking hornets' nests will often get you stung. Why, why are you so afraid of the Russians? I'm not afraid of the Russians. We're, the, we're Americans. We are. Why are you afraid of Russians? Look, I'm armed. I know how to fight uh, to a degree. But, you know, if they're going to send Russian hitmen after me for making fun of their president, I, I might be in a little bit over my head. So I'm just trying to. You always get nervous. I want to die we, for the right reasons. You always get reasons. nervous when we do Vladimir Putin stories. Well, I wonder why. First, there's the name. Second, there's the <laughs> there's actually you know, the reputation. There's actually a Gospel Friends episode named Chase Loves Putin. That scared me. That that scared me. Okay. So I. But so far, it hasn't killed me. So I guess that's okay. Nick, if you were in Russia and they outlawed the memes, what would you do, buddy? Would you, Would you go along with it, or would you just post more memes? I don't want to die. You guys are wimps. Uh, you know, or you got you know, to pick your fights well. Yeah, I was about to say. All right, how does some things worth getting assassinated? Let's go to Virginia because you guys don't. Maybe you won't be as scared Nathan about found this it. one. Okay. Nathan, got it? Yeah. Maybe you won't be as scared about this one. Uh, from Newport News, Virginia, van hits courthouse after driver's prosthetic leg detaches. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we are we making fun of people with prosthetic? Snell? No. That seems kind of cruel. I'm not making fun of anything. I'm reporting news stories from around the world. All right, so first we're going to get assassinated by Putin. Then we're going to get knocked <laughs> off the air by people for the sensitive treatment of humanity. A woman was trying to parallel park when the accident occurred about 945 uh, this past Wednesday. Um, her prosthetic leg detached 
unable to mash the brake, um, the van backed into a building. I have a question. Okay. I mean this with utmost sensitivity and sincerity. But wouldn't you drive with the non-prosthetic leg? I don't know. I would have to ask someone who has one, although not this person, because I don't think they did it right. Perhaps I actually have some friends who their their daughter had a prosthetic leg, and they would they would often make kind of those, you know, kind of like, hey, grab your leg, or your leg, you know, her leg fell off, that kind of stuff. So they would kind of make those jokes around that. Well, that's one way of handling it, I guess. All right. I, I feel sort of a, a different sort of discomfort with commenting too much on this story. Okay. There's some uh, level Nick, of tragedy. Anything from for you? I'm sorry, I've been talking to the guys in the chat. You know, what what were you thinking has become me giving stories from around the world <laughs> and you guys failing to uh comment out you, of you realize you have you have gone headlong into the deep end into a level of awkward intentionally. There was a time when it was, oh, that's a little strange. That's oh, we can laugh about that. Now it's things that will get you killed, or it's it's so awkward that you've upped your game a little bit. You, hold on, no, 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 don't up. give him that kind of credit. When you say upped game, okay, yeah, that that may not be accurate. Um, yeah. Well, listen, if next week at the Hall of What's Dogma an Church, what's comedian? Help me out. I don't know. Uh, You're the YouTube Reddit guy, Mitch Hedberger. You're going Mitch Hedberg. Like, that was a funny that dude, but boy, he could swear like a sailor. If next week at the Hollow Dogma Church, a one-legged Russian with a prosthetic leg comes in, we're gonna you guys, you deal with you guys can run, and I will, I will handle it. Sounds like a plan. All right, how about this? You're last, handle it like you handled that snake. I, hey, you know where that snake is? Dead. Dead. Oh, yeah. I just need a garden hoe. Oh, yeah. Ooh, non-poisonous snakes. We're all we're all scared of them. Or according to the local law enforcement, snake shot. That thing was nine feet long. It was five feet long. Five. Okay, uh, we'll end on this one. A British man. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. It, it it is from Britain. Let me give you the uh, headline: Thou shalt not steal. Guy gets tattoo of Jesus and then walks out without paying. Oh, my. that's. What do you think about that? I think that's foul. Uh, a British man recently spent six hours getting a tattoo of Jesus worth three hundred and seventy dollars. There's two hundred fifty European dollars. I don't know what those are. Uh, at a tattoo, we've well established. At a tattoo shop in Lutton, England, and he simply walked out Lutton. without paying. The artist who inked him said the man claimed to have paid another member of staff. And Mm. then slipped away during the confusion. Mm. But here's the real shocker. Not only did he avoid paying for his Jesus tattoo, he actually stole another thousand euros or whatever from the store. Here's a picture of the man and the Jesus tattoo. It's a very large Jesus tattoo. Look, it's, um, if you guys can see the story, it goes from his shoulder blade all the way down to almost his elbow. And it's a very. It's the start uh, of a nice sleeve if he wanted to keep it up. It's a very um, kind of. Catholic. Is that a word? I don't. I don't Catholic. know. Blake, you, you said stole earlier. Speaking of it's things stoled. that might not be precise, was that is stole not? Well, he actually stole. Stole. Yes, yeah, stole okay. would be probably more appropriate there. Uh, according to the, the red ink owner, uh, the man already had the words "Only God can judge me" tattooed on the other hand. By the way, if if you have your daughter texted you, okay, if you only have, I mean, if you have "Only God can judge me" on your 
body tattooed on your body. I'm already judging you. Ninety-five uh, percent chance you've misunderstood the Bible if you have that on your body. Just a tad. The irony is, is he that clearly, judgmental because it sounded a little judgmental. <laughs> the irony is he clearly decided to embrace Christianity. And the major ethos is "Thou shalt not steal." I'm not sure that's the major ethos. Well, but that's that's today I learned. It's one of the T I L. It's one of the ten. He planned mm. the theft from us and completely planned to not pay for the tattoo. What do you do in a situation like that? You can't take the tattoo back, can you? I don't small suppose you court? can. Maybe small claims court. Yeah. So well, the, I, don't, I don't know what I mean. The rule is, guys, if you're going to get a tattoo of Jesus, let's not. Um, Let's pay for it. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's sound advice. In fact, that might be the soundest advice you have ever given on this show. Really, it's close. That's so sad. let me tell you about a story from Virginia. There was a, a lady driving a van. We we already did that one. Okay. Once you tell memories. Going? Why don't you tell us uh, about? Um, hey Chase, tell us or, what happened to your dog. Oh, no. Oh yeah. You know it's funny you ask. You know what? That would make that would make me look better. <laughs> it might. Go ahead. It might. Well, you guys know uh, years ago, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on the 103rd anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, not everybody knows the the whole story kind of that went on there. The way Obviously, this show is going, do you really want to reference the Titanic? Well, you know, it's it's got things in common with oh this show. Um, but the Titanic was obviously heading towards uh, America from Europe. Um, but at the time, this is right around the time that the Europeans had invented mayonnaise. Uh, and the ship was supposed to stop off in New York and then head down to Mexico with a delivery of somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve to 24,000 uh, crates of mayonnaise for the people there. The Mexicans were anticipating it greatly. Mayonnaise had become kind of a sensation all throughout, especially North Mexico and, and the places along the coast. So they were anticipating this, this very hugely. Obviously, when the Titanic crashed, it was a tremendous disappointment to the Mexican people. In fact, it's so much, uh, it was so much of a tremendous disappointment that they made a uh, national holiday out of it, a national day of mourning. Um, they celebrate that. It's coming up in a couple of weeks, May the 5th. Uh, or as they call it in Mexico, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> did you just do that entire I, thing? I just did that entire that, thing. For that joke? I did, yeah. Uh, so uh, I have an article to and share. And iceberg. An atheist gives no, sound. No, we're not there yet. We are. No, are we we're, not? No, we, we, need, we have a serial review. Oh, well, no, yeah. please don't. Why did you hand it off to me? Well, I was handing it off to you oh, to do your, right. I, your... I was not going. I was, your your yeah, joke. We have a serial review. So so Friday night... I apologize if that joke's not very good. My daughter told me, by the way, if I told that... I was planning on telling it to the church today at the beginning of the sermon. She said, and, and I, I kid you man. not, she said, Dad, if you tell that joke, everybody is just going to stare at you awkwardly while you continue the sermon. So, Is this the daughter that has more Instagram followers and likes than you do? No, it's the daughter that uh, is more of a truther than, than I am. She is, wow. does not mince words. It's the, the second daughter. The she s- speaks the truth. Oh, yes, okay. she does. That's, there you go. Well, we, we, we do have, before we get to your story, we have a serial Oh, review. my God. So funny, funny thing. You okay? You all right? The broadcast, the oh. the. The feet, the okay. chat is good. Funny thing on Friday night at the uh, gos- at the gospel. Chase is asking for money. You have a box around your head, and Wait, I have an animal. I didn't on my ask head. for money. Apparently, hey. you did. Again, uh, 
joined us in the Hall of Dogma, joined the uh, live internet feed, and apparently you can be greatly entertained. Friday night at the Hall is a strong entertaining. Word. <laughs> at the Hall of Dogma Church, we had a uh, couple of small groups that got together and had an event, and we decided we, we, we eat at pretty much everything we do here. We, are we had a very serious prayer meeting. We did. We had a very serious and, prayer and meeting. And that you makes this, that. The, the next thing you're going to talk about very funny, but because it was a very serious, deep, long it was, prayer meeting. It was a we, – we One of our GC and, leaders, really, he came to you because yep. we have two GCs, small groups, um, life groups, whatever you want to call them. Pick your modern church take on home fellowships. Um and we have two that meet on Friday nights. And so Chase heads up one and Joshua Dean, who's been a guest on the show, heads up the other. And Joshua just called Chase, said, you know, he had a burden for prayer for the congregation and um, just wanted to meet together, kind of combine groups and just really seek the Lord in prayer for one another and for the church at large. Right. And so it was it was actually much more of a beneficial meeting than I think David's getting a credit for. No, it was a great meeting, and we had nothing against. I had nothing against. Just a thing. Nothing against the meeting. It's just not relevant to the story. Well, well my the point story, was the seriousness <laughs> of the story makes the, first, the what you're about to say kind you of. You guys are doing fun. what my wife does right now. Like she, you know, you're correcting you're, you, you when you're wrong. Well, she does correct me a lot, but she you string out stories with unimportant details. Do you have issues with your wife, Dave? No, I love my wife very much, but sometimes I just look at her and say, but "Podcast like listener get, Allison McConnell, do you have things to get off your chest?" Win, but it sounds winner, like David. winner of the 2015 15. Uh, Hall of Dogma Football Gospel Fantasy Friends, League. Fantasy League. Yep. Uh, no, but sometimes Allison. I just. You know, she she says I'm not paying attention, and I just tell her it's because she's taking a long time to get to the point. You are a wise husband <laughs> and a man of great character. I try Dude, to lead, like I try to lead her in the in the right way. Um, but anyway, so at this event on Friday night, we had we we decided to eat together as we typically do, and we did that by um, a cereal night, cereal and milk night. So we asked there people. There may be one church in the world that precedes serious <laughs> prayer with cereal night, and and it was us. That's true. And so we asked people to bring cereal. And it wasn't my idea. No, we asked people to bring cereal and milk, and we and we had a great time. And people, this is all a true story. People did it, uh, and people went and got good cereal. Like yes, uh, we had. Uh, I mean, we had cereal I had not had in years. Two dozen boxes of cereal. Yeah, two dozen easy. We had. Uh, I had kicks, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, corn, corn pops. Pops, yep. yeah, those were good. Apple we Jacks. had Apple Jacks were here. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch was here. Life Cereal. Uh, so we had a ton of good cereal. But I noticed this one particular box of cereal that was on, on the of table. Of all the cereals, you've picked this one for us to and, sample. And surprisingly enough, it's still full. Uh, so I, I don't know what I happened. I can't imagine <laughs> but, why nobody uh, it, would want it caught that my, cereal. It caught my attention. It is Weight Watchers Whole Grain Honey Nut <laughs> Toasted Oats. Mm. Made with... <laughs> Made with real My honey. tummy is tempted. Uh, now, apparently, Weight Watchers make several uh, variety, and we—it's actually a podcast listener who brought this, who goes to the Hall of Dogma Ooh, Church. But we won't—we won't throw them under the bus, or the—we won't throw them under the semi truck. I see. Good plan. Uh, but um, <laughs> that cereal made wait, me wait, wait, just, so we're going to—we're no going more. to do a, a cereal review. Please don't make me. The fans love. Uh, I didn't find any milk. We don't have any milk, so we're just going to have to. Taste it. Pour it on the table. We don't know where this table's been. It's a new one. <laughs> it's been here. Well, it's been in this room. For, I would probably trust it more than the so one that we had. This is Cheerios. No, it's Weight Watchers Honey Nut, uh, which I was told was like a dollar eighteen. Whoa! For that big box, that's a big box. So a dollar eighteen? Where? I, I don't know. 
I'll have to call Mr. Tally about that. Uh, who? Hey, hey, hey. What? Who? Oh, sorry. All right, so, uh, Nick, you actually have to taste it. Hold on. Nick. I'll taste it now. I had a plan. You have to. <laughs> if you're just joining us, part. this is Emmanuel's punch. favorite part. Hey, can I see the box? Josh, Josh Parchman from the Hall of Dogma is um, rejoicing. Doing, he's rejoicing right now. He loves this. Okay, so if you are new to the show, we like cereal, and so we do from <laughs> oh, time we lost to time. Somebody. Oh, Bummer. we left. Looks like Jeremiah. So from time to time, Bye, we do reviews of cereal. And so, um, guys, we, uh, we, we do this based on uh, spoons. I think the, um, the most epic of cereals is, uh, is it five spoons? Five, so, yes. No cereal that we've ever done has, has gotten five spoons, has it? No, I give, uh, I give, of the current cereals on the market right now, I give Fruit Loops with marshmallows five spoons. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch is very close. Okay. All right, this, so, hold on real quick before mm-hmm. y'all get into that. Mm-hmm. Josh Parchman from Emmanuel, this is just for you. Uh, oh my gosh, that's a that disturbing is, sound. That is, uh, we learned that technique at uh, the uh, National Podcasters Conference last Let me year. Tell you something. The three of us, we national, are podcast professionals, if there ever were national, some. National professional podcasters, NPP. Chase, yeah, you how many me. spoons are you giving the Weight Watchers Honey Oats? Well, I, I'll ask you a question first, David. Did you, do either one of you guys know the best-selling cereal in the United States of America the last few years? Best-selling cereal? Right. Yes, best-selling um, cereal. I'm going to guess honey, um, Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios, That's, just because that is correct. Okay, that is the best-selling cereal. This of is the nowhere last few years. near like honey nut Cheerios. This is not nearly as good as honey nut Cheerios. But I tell you, I was expecting uh, bark, twigs, <laughs> dirt. And nastiness, and it's not that bad. It's not that bad. If I was desperate, I could eat this. Um, uh, when I think of a cereal that's really horrendous, at least so horrendous that if I only had one box of it in the house, I would eat something else. I think of things like All Bran, those little uh, pellety-looking things. Grape nuts? Uh, no, no, no. Grape nuts no. is okay. It is an okay cereal, but All Bran is the thing that looks kind of like rabbit pellets. I'm not yeah. a fan. Uh, I would eat this if I had to. Uh, to Two and a, two to two and a half spoons. Okay, um, you'll gain weight eating it though. It's it's is it? That's a lot of carbs. Weight Watchers. There. Okay, I'm not gonna, a lot of actually, fiber. That one you probably wouldn't. Oh, it's it's got it's got a it's it's a I would, it's a joke. I would give honey nut go low carb. I would they, give what honey, they probably do is I bet they have it on their point system. Uh, it probably is. They're all about points. They're yeah. all about. They don't care about carbs. They're all about points. Uh, I would probably give honey nut Cheerios, uh, which is one of my all time favorite cereals. I'd probably give it uh, four spoons. So I'm going to have to give this two spoons because it, it is decent, but it is nowhere near Honey Nut Cheerios, which is what it's trying to be. This is like – this is – you know, my wife buys See, all Aldi cereal, oh, okay. which her and I have many discussions about because I'm just not an off-brand cereal guy. It just – it's just not the same. Generally speaking, I'm not either. So – but, uh, you know, she just points out to me that it's cheap and so am I, and so she's just trying to make me happy. Wow! But anyway, it's cheap, and so am I. I'll go with three on it, just because. Three. three. Well, and here's Good one. Let me, hold on, here, here, hear me out. Um, it's hard I'm kind of with Chase. I was expecting bark and twigs, um, because it was purely Weight Watchers. But from from the perspective of someone who is is following the Weight Watchers program or trying to lose weight, and you, you you're already doing that system. Are you doing Weight Watchers? No. Oh. Okay. But I'm just saying if. That would be the only logical reason you would buy that cereal. Because I was about to say, since we started recording this podcast, I've watched you consume about 50 points. 
Hey, how about Thank you, you take that judgmental attitude, hey, David, how do you know? but you put it into more biblical tones. But yeah, for somebody in that program, that is probably a breath of fresh air from some of the other garbage they have to eat. All right, so uh, that's why I'm giving it. Weight Watchers, whole grain, strong. honey nut oats. Get your own box today if you're ever in Locust Fork, Alabama. We know that they have some there. Not sure where else you can get it, but uh, perhaps it's worldwide. And hey, a dollar eighteen. That Herschel's, is uh, that is cheap. Yeah, it is. Herschel's throwing out Trader's Joe chocolate granola with almonds as well. So Chase, put that one on your chocolate list. granola with almonds. That actually sounds really good. I bet it. I bet it could be Trader. Good. You know, they, we don't have a Trader Joe's around here, do we? We have a Trader Joe's? No, not not to my knowledge, not okay. in Alabama. I hear people heard, talk about. I've heard good things. cereal before, haven't you? I have. Oh, Chase I, buys all his stuff I, off Amazon, I, but not not well. I'm, I'm, but I've mail ordered like rare cereal, like blueberries. I've ordered a case of blueberries once. Hey, you didn't eat all your cereal. Well, I, I'm talking now, so okay. it's not very professional to crunch and talk. We're moving on to more serious waters. I am uh, currently on, at an article on scottsauls.com. It is a f- few weeks old, but it's a good article. And in that article, Mr. Sauls quotes uh, an atheist friend of his who has given some good advice, or so he says. And so I'm going to run the advice by you guys. I'll give you two or three of these, and you give me some reaction. So here is some biblical advice from atheists that we should take to heart and learn how to reach people for Jesus that are outside the line. So the atheist is giving us the biblical advice on how to reach people for Jesus. He's giving us some biblical advice on how to better interact uh, outside of our cultural milieu. My question, my first question is, why does he care? Well, I don't know. Okay. Gosh, man, that's, see, this is exactly what he's talking about. Is Christians like this, their attitudes towards atheists. Well, my, like, my first atheists, thought, you know what? We don't want to hear from you. My, my first thought would be. Did you know that Pulpit and Pin is hiring? <laughs> you sound like wow. you. I'm just kidding. Wow. That was um, a shot, and it was a hey, joke. Hey. Settle in. Oh, no, I get in trouble for, for shots that are jokes. So when I make a shot, you, have you to guys act say like, that they're jokes. <laughs> you guys act like I have I mean, committed apologize. the ultimate sin. Well, you have. A lady's leg falls off and she plows into a building and I can't talk about it. I can only imagine the countless people that you've offended with your attitude towards that. And okay, but you're okay. You're okay because finish. it's a joke. Correct. All right. Um, I am sorry for anybody I have offended with my harsh statements and my judgmental tone. I am in counseling and I am learning to do better. And I will overcome this with your help. He's back to being the... Uh, Old wise person on the hill. Yay. I was, I'm not purposely trying to offend anyone. I just enjoy having a good time and people poke fun at me all the time. And I think you're kind of railroading my topic here. Go ahead. Is this I'm revenge sorry. from when I did it to you earlier? Scott Staff. Uh, Scott Staff? Sauls. Oh, it's, it's close. That's <laughs> sorry. Okay. Scott Staff is the Creed guy. By the way, yeah. Staff. You're, you're shout, your boy. Out, shout out to Creed. Shout out. All right. Here's one of his uh, little tidbits of Hashtag advice. Hashtag arms wide open. The most admirable. Uh, part of the story of Jesus, even to an atheist like me, is the way that the Gospels portray him as a preacher who focused his sermons against those who abused their wealth and religious power, while he spent time hanging out with the outcasts loathed by his community. What do you guys think about that? Is that a pretty good, pretty right viewpoint of Jesus? Is that good advice? In other words, what this gentleman is saying is that we should rail against those who abuse their wealth and power and spend time hanging out with outcasts. Well, 
Okay, so I do think that uh, Jesus had his harshest words for the religious of the day who were shunning, um, you know, the cultural um, outcast. You know, in, in what, in first century, you know, for example, if you were a paralytic, it, it, it wasn't just that, you know, you you know, had this disability, but people did shun you because back then a lot of the cultural thought was that you had a handicap mm-hmm. because you had sinned or someone in your family had sinned, so you deserved it. And so there was a lot of shunning in the in the religious community then. And so Jesus was rewriting that. And uh, so, I mean, I agree with that part. I, I wonder what he means by wealth and religious power. So to me that, you know, there may be some type of an underlying, um, there may be some type of an underlying um, idea that he has about what wealth and religious power, you know, is. Uh, well, in other words, for example, perhaps, hey, Nick, we're trying to do a podcast over here. Hey, you can for, Netflix later there. Yeah, Jenkins. you really can. You can watch You can watch your movies do you, later. Do you want to hear what that was? No. It was an echo of yourself, which I think you'd be pretty happy to hear. So you, for example, yes, he may be saying, well, the church is using its wealth and power to rail against, for example, the homosexual community mm-hmm. or something like that. So, but But just trying to take what he said at face value – um, I would agree that is something I think the church should focus more on, which is um, the poor, needy, and outcast in a community. All right. What do you think, Mr. Jenkins? I don't think Nick's been paying attention. I have been trying to, to fix the – I got a message that the signal went out, and I had to fix the signal. Again, the shiny toy. Again, the reason you'll have me here, which is the tech stuff. Okay, so you don't have anything to say about that part. From- yeah, we don't want to knock him too much. He kind of knows this <laughs> stuff a little better than we do. Okay, I bring I bring something. To he this. can pay attention on the next one. Okay, good. Okay, this is going to go to I, you first. So well, you wait, I, I have a comment. I get to comment just just briefly. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I will say I, I think our atheist friend here has captured an essence of Christian teaching that I think the church sometimes ignores to its discredit in that all throughout the Bible, Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching, there are pointed challenges to the rich and wealthy. For instance, 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19, Paul says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. That's a good word. And there's a lot of words like that in Scripture that are fairly possibly at least offensive to uh, the wealthy and powerful. So I, I think he's, I think he's slightly onto something. All right, so cool. So, so far we don't have to shoot the atheists. Praise God for that, because okay. that sounds like a sin. All right, here's, here's another one. When talking about religious and philosophical matters, ask <laughs> more <laughs> questions. Don't shoot the atheist. Okay, that is a good title. We huh? don't have to shoot the atheist. That's also a good title. When talking about religious and philosophical matters, ask more questions and do less preaching. People like to be heard, and they like people who listen to them, and they will feel more trust in you the more that you they open up to you. You have to overcome the temptation to make your attempts to persuade others all about how you feel and what you think. Your focus must be on what the person you're persuading feels and thinks. What do you think, guys? 
Nick, were you, again, were you, you listening? Well, was, wanting you to interact with the show. I was, con- I was interacting with the show. I actually think that is a very good point. I, I think that um, one of the things that I think we are not doing very well with certain segments of society, homosexuals. Um, when I say we, I'm talking about the church. So homosexuals, perhaps atheists, um, people that I would say that we almost feel like are unapproachable or um, at enmity with the church or enmity with the gospel is that we're not doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, dialogue. We're, we're, we're trying to, I think, just go out, make our point and be gone. We're not trying to build relationships. And to an extent, I think that is to our detriment that, that we should do more work in trying to have, there's nothing wrong with dialogue. There's nothing wrong with having conversations. There's nothing wrong with making acquaintances and friendships. I think the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. So I think that the people that we're in partnership with that um, are the people that speak into our lives and the people that we are running with, I think those are, you know, the Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked and 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 don't put yourself in a situation where someone else's bad character could um, uh, corrupt your your character. But I think we should be trying to work on relationships and work on dialogue. And I don't think we're doing that a lot in the church. I think, especially an issue with, to me, homosexuality, we're doing a lot of, and I've said this before, you know, kind of opening up a can maybe, um, you know, I think we're trying to do a lot of, you're doing this to us, so we're going to do this back to you. Um, it's it's a lot of returning anger for anger. And, and I just don't, I, I think that's a great, I think that may be, a good approach in certain segments of society, uh, but I don't think it's a great approach from a church perspective. Well said. At the, it, we were talking. We were talking about the the prayer meeting on on Friday, and um, I was talking to one of the young men here who's um, engaged to a young lady, and um, one of her friends has been inconsistent in her life in the last seasons. Um, just trying to be a little bit of discretion here, um, and. Their relationship ebbs and flows, and they were they were friends as teenagers. And um, one of them, the young lady that comes here and is engaged to the young man, is a professing believer who who seems to be maturing and, and walking out her relationship with Christ. Um, and and the other is a young lady who ebbs and flows pretty consistently. And the things that look positive, usually three months later, are seen as to have been manipulation. Uh-huh. And the the young man was just asking me about that verse about, you know, where you basically, someone who claims to be a believer but their life doesn't add up to it, you just cast them away. And when I when I hear stuff like this, especially from non-believers, that those two things are at war with with me for me. Um and I and I think there's there's ways to live that out in your life, but this sounds great on on paper, but there is enough caution in the word about the people you fellowship with, you're in deep relationship with, being believers, and there being a barrier between people who are non non believers. Not that you don't love them, not that you don't serve them, not that you don't have a relationship with them, but the degree of relationship there is there is some warning against, and I, and I don't think we can take that lightly. I think there's a reason for that. No, I I agree with that. I just I, I think that. You know, I, I think there's a, 
I think there's a difference that you can you can kind of work your your yourself through. There's a difference between opening up your life to the counsel of someone who's not a mm. believer and just making relationships. And, and I, I think I think there's a segment of us that are we're just afraid to do that. I mean, and again, look, I, I am well aware of, and this is atheistic, but you know, I think the atheists, I think the homosexual community, there is absolutely a degree where the homosexual community, homosexual activists, let me put it that way, have declared war on the church and on Christianity. And so I, and I understand that. I understand. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not shocked by that. I think from a political spectrum, there are things that, that people can engage in and do. But from a church perspective, I don't think that's a big surprise. I think Jesus kind of pointed us toward those type things. It was going to happen. It was yeah, going to happen in surprising. greater number. Um, but there's a great segment of the homosexual community, the atheist community, that it's not about declaring war. And, and there's much that we can benefit trying to bring the gospel to people by engaging in dialogue. And, and, and in, by engaging in dialogue, I don't mean that we cede any points. Um, I just mean that we are willing to listen to people and we're willing to have in conversations and that our approach is not always, you know, well, you're such a horrible person and what you're doing is going to send you to hell and you need to, you need to stop. There's a place for that, but there's also a place to, I think, listen. Well, I, I think I find myself mostly agreeing uh, here with our atheist friend. There is power in listening and asking questions and then interacting with those questions. And I think Christians, uh, sometimes we, we get into an evangelism mindset that is much more about, um, speaking slash preaching, which is all fine. Uh, but we ignore listening and relationship building. And, and I think there are, a, there's a time and place for street corner preaching and proclamation of the gospel. And there's a time and place for relational, uh, endeavors that include listening, asking questions, getting to know somebody and, uh, speaking the truth and love through that. All right. So good discussion. Um, Jeff had posted in the chat. I think we as Christians tend to attach importance and significance to associations that aren't there. We should be able to isolate truth from opinions and acknowledge when people call us on truths. Uh, yeah. So Which, uh, good comment. I, I agree with that. Yeah. He said, he went on to say, absolutely. This falls into an association quote unquote, we were discussing with gay weddings. Do we allow an atheist to speak for us if they're speaking the truth? He earlier had said, um, even if an idiot, if he says two plus two equals four, speaking the truth. True. So that is, that is true. All right. Last one, guys. And we'll probably have to be really quick on this. Uh, he says that we need to appreciate that nominal Christians are Christians too. People are extremely complicated. If you were walking through the world categorizing everyone you meet into two categories, true Christians versus the unsaved, you are not only being shamefully judgmental, but you are risking alienating yourself from those you want to see saved. I suspect we might have a slightly different answer to this one. What do you think? Guys? I appreciate that appreciate that nominal Christians are Christians too. Yeah, I have a big problem with that statement. I, I don't I, I I'm not sure I agree that nominal Christians are Christians too. Um I, I think I don't I don't think there's categories of Christians. You are a follower of Christ or you are not a follower of Christ. Now, I give yes, as you begin to follow Christ, I think there's a maturing process that happens. 
uh, Hebrews talks a lot about this that that there's a you know there's there's a time and a place for you to receive basically spiritual milk like a baby, but then at some point you've got to mature on and and you begin to you know be able to handle meat and potatoes so to speak. Um, so you know there is a maturing process and and I realize people are in different places in their walk, but sometimes I think we excuse nominal Christianity as in you know there there's there's a place to follow Christ um you know but it can you know it's just a private following and it's not about you know o- obedience and it's just more about loving you know loving God and loving people but but the definitions that we use for loving God and loving people are not right we we, we a lot of times nominal Christianity I think divorces Love for God from obedience to God. Oh, that's a good. That's a good and, sentence. There. And you know, I so I don't appreciate that nominal Christians are Christians too. I don't agree. I would not ca- uh, just across the board unequivocally agree with that statement. <laughs> the chat derailed me again. Um, this. <laughs> It's all Jeff's fault this time. Okay, so what uh, we're going to this is what we're going to do. I got it. No, I but, got it. I no, had a thought. I'm just no, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm, no gonna, I'm good. I'm going to say. I'm good. I'm going to say. All right. So. Wow. He just absolute. Turned, he, he did. Just turned my mind. Absolute I did. power. I love it. I Absolutely. love that power. Um, I really did have a thought, but go ahead. Remember your shiny comment earlier, and how after that you just couldn't process anything. Yes, I remember. All right. Check the chat real quick, and then I'll I'll talk real quick. Okay. Um, I think there's too many encouragements, if not outright instructions, in in the gospel letters. Both Paul's testimony. Um, I'm thinking of of his verses about um, training daily, working harder than anyone, um, about never being satisfied with where he was in his relationship or or his work of ministry. And then his encouragements to people, no matter where they were in life or their Christian life, pushing them onward to to agree to just embrace this statement wholeheartedly. I do believe believers, no matter where they are in their walk, are believers too. Yes, you know, duh, um, McFly. But back to the future reference. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's a hey, man. I know you're you're struggling. Whenever. Whenever you feel like coming on, you know, let's just just let me know. No, you 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 go and you walk beside them and you you pull them or, or prod them or encourage them onward. At, you know, I don't think you draw. One of the guys in here joked about a salvation meter. I'm not talking about drawing those kind of comparisons, but I don't think that you sounds ever. like something the general needs. <laughs> he has to go. He can go. The they actually meter. ask if he, he needs one. a repentance meter and a salvation meter. Uh, Nathan Martin has a comment. I found the chat. Did found, you? Yeah, I found it. It was another button you it took had to you hit. A while. <laughs> yeah, you had to click the chat button. All right. It was 165 little little things next to it. But anyway, uh, Nathan Martin said, uh, "Where'd he go? He, he commented. Oh, here we go. Um, uh, number one is many streams one river. Number two, some people are in different rivers altogether. So I, I, you know, I actually agree with that statement. And so nominal Christianity, you know, at some point, um, think with some people that term it just puts you in a completely different river." As Nathan said, and yeah, I would agree with that. This is the the one statement that he made that I have the 
the the largest problem with. And the problem here is I don't think Jesus would agree with the statement that nominal Christians are Christians too. All of the time, Jesus is is talking about those inside the kingdom and those outside the kingdom. He's the one that draws the lines. And of course, there's not a salvation meter, but but we have to agree if we really even even a slight amount follow the teachings of Jesus, there is an in with him and there's an out with him. For instance, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, not everyone who confesses his name and calls him Lord, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And then he goes on, many will say on, to me on that day, do we not prophesy, do we not do miracles? And I say, I never knew you. So he frames it in terms of relationship, but multiple times, probably dozens of times, we have Jesus who is drawing clear lines of delineation inside with him and outside with him. And yes, while we're surprised at some of the people who are inside with him, it's not the the wealthy, the powerful, the uber-religious, uh, or the ones well thought of by society, there is still yet an inside and out with Jesus. Hmm. All right, fellas, good discussion. I think I think that you know this is, seems like a guy we could have a a conversation with. Absolutely, I, mean, yeah, I appreciate that. that. That's uh, absolutely what I was going to say earlier was oh, so please. because this is yes. this is this is a very cool. Well, that's an interesting point, David. Can yeah, you muted <laughs> my mic again. Add some uh, elevator, elevator, elevator music. music. So Nick, this was everybody loves that. Uh, so Nathan mm-hmm. Nathan Martin from the uh, Hall of Dog on Facebook had this idea. Uh, we're about to get into some listener feedback, guys. But he had the idea of he just kind of wanted to check out the um, pre-show and and kind of behind the scenes stuff. So we set this up, but this has turned very quickly into kind of an interactive. Um, what now? I hate you just a little. This has turned into a kind of an interactive uh, audience to the show and getting some great feedback from them. Next week, I'll actually be able to check the chat a little bit better. And uh, so this is really cool. I mean, it's, getting, it's, yes. getting some real time. So maybe you should just be um, the the Internet guy and handling the yes, chat. Yes, whatever stuff. can allow you to talk more. Well, Ooh. I mean, as a byproduct, if, landed um, one if on I can there, do Dave. more stories – uh, that might work, but we won't have to cut your stuff so much because, like we did. Well, no, we haven't. We, we're gonna. Well, get we haven't it. yet. But we haven't. We got. We got. We got. No, we got thirty more. We got thirty more. We got. No, it's after listener feedback. If you okay. check the show dot, we got thirty more minutes of record time. Here. I'm pretty sure we're pretty deep into. The, we're like well over an hour. We have till nine thirty. If you'll check your private chat, I sent earlier in text message. We we have till nine thirty. So uh, now, typically, Woody-woo. so you you, you join Woody-woo. the. Hall of Dogma on Facebook, hallofdogma.com. We'll post the links for next week. Typically, we broadcast somewhere Sunday afternoon from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Somewhere in that window, we were much later tonight due to um, the relocation. V- very quickly, uh, very quick relocation of studios. So, um, next, uh, usually on Sunday afternoon, somewhere around 4 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, as we broadcast from Alabama. Is there South. another time other than Central Standard? Yeah, there's some other parts of the country are on different times. No kidding. Yeah, some of those places eat like rabbit food and stuff. They're on a completely different time. Tofu cities and stuff like that. So uh, I want to visit one of those tofu cities. Join us on soon. join us on HollowDogma.com, Facebook. Uh, what is it? Uh, Facebook.com <laughs> forward slash. Oh my gosh! Nice Hall of no. Dogma. Nope. nope. I'm sorry. What is it? Forward slash groups. 
forward slash Hall of Dogma. Correct. Shout out to listener Jeremiah Martin, who asked us this week in the Hall of Dogma Facebook <laughs> to make sure that we enunciate and clarify the forward slash a little bit better. I don't know who has been doing all the art in the group chat. I know I have contributed a thing or two, may or, be, or maybe not. I noticed David's earlier Chase years. had a lot of acne. But just a moment. I'm actually kind of headless on oh, my screen. You know why? The zit. That, remember when you had the uh, I, the zit? Hey, put that? that figure over a little closer. <laughs> yeah, so for a minute there, Chase you. was wearing a very, very skimpy bikini, and I think it was to distract from his acne. That's um, oh, it was to show off my. Je- Jeff said it was a group effort. So That's group. Scary. Hey, look, you Thank guys you need to much. quit making fun of people with prosthetics and people with skin problems. Just because I have like one or two zits a year as an older person. What was that that one of the guys said Friday night when we were having the small group meeting that uh, we were we were just talking about typically men struggling with pornography in one form or another. Yes, and finding a guy who. Uh, doesn't struggle with pornography was like finding a guy with with abs. With abs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know like five guys with abs. Not many, and I know about five guys who don't struggle with pornography. That's that's. Are about, they dead? No, they're just different than right, the rest so, of us. So join us. Praise God for them. So next week, uh, you know, join us in the Hall of Dogma. We'll we'll put the broadcast link. This is a this is a very cool thing. Uh, shout out to Nathan for uh, coming up with the idea. Um, By the way, um, check your email and see if he sent you a payment because I got two fifty, and I would what? just like to say two dollars and fifty cents or two hundred fifty bucks. No, two dollars and fifty cents. Oh no, Nathan, I can't even buy a crystal with two dollars and fifty cents. Sure, you can. You're sending. You're sending. Where are like you going to crystals? They're ripping you. All off, I'm man. saying is, whenever okay, you can buy one that money back, I will okay, gladly take the it. difference because he didn't make this great. We will do. We will make sure that money goes to good use if you send it to us. I will send Nathan. your money back. We will make sure that good we buy. Use. Yeah, we will, we will go to good use. Uh, Widows and orphans. All right, so let's do some listener to. feedback. We have um, various ways that you can contact us uh, on the show, and, uh, and that includes email thegospelfriends at gmail dot com. You can, uh, as we've talked a lot about the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, we're in just a second, Ow. going to talk a little bit about the Hall of Dogma in terms of um, oh, a little yes. contest that we had recently, and we have a winner in that contest um, as we move toward show 52. Uh, Chase, uh, any new uh, – you want to give a, a, a plea for iTunes reviews, and uh, do we have any new reviews in the previous week? You know, guys, that's, that is a great question. We did not get any new iTunes reviews this week that I saw. Mm-mm-mm. What do you think the best way to uh, kind of uh, stir that pot up a little bit is? Is It's usually bribery, is it not? Yeah, but we don't have our swag ready to give away All yet. Right. So, If you all think of any good ideas to encourage uh, that sort of behavior between now and when the we're re- ready to release the swag, then uh, let me know. Well, we but have... Uh, otherwise, we, we can just beg, and that's unseemly, so we won't beg. I think we have, like, five more shows or something before oh, geez, the swag is released. To go without a lot of iTunes reviews. Please give us a review, because it, it, it this is the highlight of Chase's week, if we get good five-star reviews. Yeah, we have to have good downloads, so everyone in the in the Hangout, please, yes. please still please, set your podcaster please to... Download, to please download the podcast, and also... Um, as a matter of fact, if you could download the podcast several times, I mean, it would send Chase into a euphoric state. <laughs> but also, uh, if you would be willing to give us, um, if you'd be willing to give us uh, a good review, we've only had like one four star review in the history of the show. 
Well, two, but you know, oh, we had two. Yeah. Did the general review us twice? I believe he did. <laughs> I feel like this part of the show is a little pathetic, a little beggy. Okay, uh, well, let's not beggy. Here we clean go. that up in post. Here we, from our um, from our Twitter feed. Oh, at yeah. my gospel friends on Twitter. Uh, I think we have a new listener, James Allen Heiser. Uh, who's been going back and listening to some of our old shows at J M Z Heiser? Well, he's not a new listener. He's not. No. Oh. Oh, is he just behind? No. Oh, well, he is, he is going back to listen to. Well, that's why. So he's going back to listen to some of the old ones because he tweeted us this week and said almost choked listening to my gospel friends episode number twenty six while discussing gravy. The general just referred to meat drippings as organ sweat. Which was <laughs> that was a memorable line. That was a memorable <laughs> line. We heard from this uh, this week on Twitter from uh, Rachel at Journey of Chuck, who we um, we ratted out last week because For trying she, to kill all of us. Yes, yeah, she she left the grenade, a real grenade. She left the grenade in the Hall of Dogma. Um, it is currently sitting on the table right next to. Well, it's our centerpiece now. Right next to my championship uh, trophy for winning the the hall of uh, the uh, hall of dogma church fantasy football championship but rachel said if i Humble were myself. we i called her an evil villainous last week because <laughs> she was a little harsh because she we left like a, a uh, grenade and she said if i were truly an, a villainous the grenade would have been addressed to bernard which That's is good point um actually, actually a very good point bernard is our imaginary housekeeper see previous episodes for that what's uh, at let there be movies Said episode forty-five. So I'm confused. How can I get a hold of you guys uh, with no contact info? What was that about, Nick? Why did you not do contact info? The Google. It's just bitter. In the complaints, he did it because he's bitter. Look, I we even got called out. He wanted the the chat. We even got called in the chat today. Oh, there's the contact info by none other than. Any guesses? The general? You got it. Oh well, alas. You know, look, the general knows. Nobody has the general knows how to get. A hold of us. He knows how. I mean, he can drive here if he chooses. Yes. I, so, at any mention of his name, you go into the euphoric state you mentioned about Chase previously. I, there's lots of people in my life that I like better than the general. Whoa. Okay. My can, wife. Do you have a list? My wife. My kids. Okay. That's about it. What you said earlier, he was number seventeen on the list. <laughs> no, I mean he's he's. I mean, he's above you guys. Anyway, yeah. uh, that was never in pretty quoted. At Let There Be Movies, all, he wanted to get a hold of us because of uh, he said there was some problem with name pronunciation. Just which one? I wonder. I don't know. I think let the, at Let There Be Movies. Oh, you don't. Is you also, need, I'm not, you don't telling, I'm say not saying what, anything. I'm just is. saying he's also in the Hall of Dogma under a different name. That's okay, all I said. well, and now he's going to be eliminated by Vladimir <laughs> at as well at Old well Paths done. Ghost. At Old Paths Ghost on Twitter said, Jesus cannot be in that lady's molar. He's living inside of my heart. Hashtag not in the Bible. That's a good, that's a good point. I'm it, glad to see you still with us after the tooth debacle from last week, David. Uh, the tooth story got quite a few comments, even though you guys were cringing about that, too. More along the lines of lightning or you know that sort of thing. Maybe about, it looks like he's trying to do his best Bane impersonation. We do have a, a, an actual... New listener, Jacob Ali. I think Ali. Ali? Yeah, or as you call him in prior to the show, Jacob Allah, which probably is not not correct. Well, it's Jacob A. Ali. So it could be Jacob Allah Ali. That's probably what it is. (laughs) But anyway, Jacob uh, is is 
going back to the beginning of the podcast and listening through, uh, he said, I am on episode three now or four, depending on the count. Uh, so, Jacob, we appreciate it. And Jacob also had a few comments um, regarding uh, – oh, he actually said, uh, just wanted to say Chase Thompson is right about Santa Claus. Well done, From Jacob. way back when. Wow. Thank you. That was a uh, – Thank you. That was that was a while ago. That he, was a he while actually ago. later came and tweeted that he thought we were all right about Santa Claus. So, if you want to know the truth about Santa Claus, you should go back and listen to that episode because we talked about him. All right, there. Jacob. Jacob did have a lot of comments regarding uh, an issue of baptism and infant baptism, mm. which our plan right now is to discuss that on episode forty-seven. We'll see how that works out. Um, We've even done some preparation for that. We have done a little prep work. Yep. Uh, so Jacob gave a few comments um, regarding the uh, regarding that. Jacob, I would invite you to maybe shoot us an email, and uh, if you want to give us or leave us a voicemail, if you want to give us a, a, a few fuller thoughts regarding the uh, infant baptism, would love to hear from you, and we will add those to the discussion uh, when we have it. Uh, hopefully next week. Uh, you know, assuming that your comments are, you know, good. Awesome. Uh, but you can reach us voicemail at 205-575-9735 or shoot us an email, and uh, we'd love to get some of those thoughts on the air. What if they're international, David? Well, if they were international, they would have to go to speakpipe.com, speakpipe.com forward slash the Gospel Friends. Look out. You finally got it. So there we go. All right, Nick, uh, we're getting ready to uh, do a final story for tonight, and I believe you have an interesting article from— Oh, wait. I had one more story. Yes, we're, we're done with yours. Oh, no, I don't know. I, let's talk about this for a minute. We have, uh, believe, an interesting article from Relevant Magazine and or website. So yeah, get all Relevant. Take it away. Um, relevant is a— up and down thing for me. I, I enjoy um, reading their their site. Why are you taking Chase's beverage away? Trade. Oh my goodness. Um, it, it, you it's know, I like this. I like the beverages. <laughs> Guys, please. The train was on the tracks. Um, this really. is why we let. <laughs> no, not really. Um, Relevant dot com. Um, this very insightful. And thinking he is well-reasoned author, asked the church or um, answered the question, why don't the guys in my church ask women on dates? So Erica wrote in, where are all the brave men? Question mark. I will not go on a rant. Then she goes on a rant. And I firmly believe women can be just as brave. But I do notice a lot of Christian men who are afraid to pass the friend threshold. This is why so many women date non-Christians, because Christian guys rarely can just keep it casual and go on a date. Give it a chance. What are your thoughts on this? What? Yeah. No, it gets better. Yeah. I confess, I haven't read the article yet, but um, so far I think this is a mischaracterization of Christian guys. Well, so then you're going to love the rest. Oh, uh, boy. The guy follows up, dang, Erica bringing the wisdom with a punch-in-the-face question as sentence number one, a sly wink to social norms. Wait, is relevant um, advertising Rachel Held Evans' podcast? Like I said, relevant is a source of... Oh, I love Rachel Held Evans. Why don't you ask her out? I'm married. That's a pretty good answer. Oh, help me. I don't, I'm not sure that we would get along theologically in our marriage. Well, this is what the writer is talking about. All these Christian guys not asking out other Christian girls. So how, would Rachel, how would Rachel Held Evans take it? 
the first time I shared a submission verse. I don't know. Probably as well as your wife does now. She probably would take it pretty badly. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I just meant if we were, if we had married instead. Would you prefer that? No. I love my wife. That's, That's a good, fast answer. I was hoping for a bit of an awkward pause. She is there buying. She is, bu- she is buying me pizza as we speak, so I can. What kind? Uh, Domino's. Okay. This is this is the part where we hijack. Go ahead. Nick's story. Sorry, Nick. A sly wink to societal norms in sentence two, and a scathing and true assessment in sentence number three. Well done and great question. However, the answer you're seeking isn't really for you. It's for him because I think. Hold on, because I think you know the answer, don't you? I know you do because you alluded to it when you when you wrote, Christian guys rarely can just keep it casual and go on a date, give it a chance. That's the symptom of a much larger problem, a problem that unfortunately will not be helped by me talking to a lady. So with that, I'm going to sign off and actually speak to the folks who can do something about this. He goes on to um, basically attack the I kissed dating goodbye culture um, brought to bear in his mind, by Joshua Harris. Um, he actually at one point says, stop for the love of Joshua Harris. Just please <laughs> stop. Stop for the love of Joshua Harris. So based already, Chase, I, I have an idea that you have some some thoughts about this. There are a couple of things. He does a couple of uh, message and reality things. Yeah, here. I think we should kind of look at some of these because he, he basically gives, here is the message that you're giving off, Christian yeah. man, and here is the reality. I do want to – because Chase kind of jumped in. Do you have an initial – thought about this or do you want to jump into the message reality thing okay look i i don't know all christian men or anything like that but the vast majority especially of single christian guys i know are very 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 eager to uh get into a romantic relationship with uh Christian women, or, you know, or women in general, I guess. Uh, the only thing that keeps them from asking out women more frequently is uncertainty, generally speaking. I, there are that, and look, this is, a, I could have, be dealing with a, a small sample size, I suppose, but I, I think, I don't feel like there are a lot of picky Christian guys out there that are, uh, just so consumed with this idea of finding a perfect mate that they just they, that they're avoiding asking everybody out. How picky are you when um, it comes to who you date? Well, a very extremely picky. I date one woman, my wife. Oh, okay, all right, good. I was just checking. That's you know she El- doesn't listen as much as your wife. So elder test pass right there. Thank you. You can Thank keep you. being an elder. Husband of one wife. I was going to ask for another week. It doesn't say anything about how many you can date, just husband (laughs) of one wife. That should be a topic for episode 47. Edit point. Not at all, because you're going to get in so much trouble. All right. That's a good point. Thank you. So here's some of the, um, this is where he goes. Like I said, he ranted a few minutes. We've got a Christian cultural problem. Who's Um, this guy? Eddie. Eddie Kofalofs. Yeah. So the first message is. Kofalofs. Eddie is a counselor. I'm sorry, were you talking? I'm sorry. I was just going to read. I was going to read. No, 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 no. Look. Whoa. When you, can figure out how to, when you can figure out how to plug your mic back in, um, you can talk again. It's going to be a while. Um, <laughs> I wish I had somebody screen cap this for me while I'm doing me and Chase are talking. Herschel, by the way, suggested this show should be called The Revenge of Nick. That's, that's a pretty good title. I like it. Eddie is a counselor and writer living in Orlando, Florida. He is the director of church mobilization for international justice missions. Missions. Mission. So he's one of those social justice guys we ranted about earlier. I don't know. 
He's got a beard. Well, that, oh, that's pretty cool. Means he's a... We all have beards. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So um, basically, he's saying the church has has created a couple of messages, um, but that message is different than reality. So his first uh, message is casual dating is not good, um, and he says the reality is casually casual dating to get to know someone is good and necessary if you're ever going to you know move past your mom, um, which that's a whole different. Well, that's quite a line, right? Yeah, there. he he sensationalizes a few things. He said the fear. Um, is that casual dating means casual sex, casual deep intimacy, or casual love, which are all by nature not casual. Um, but if we assume that a, man, a good man and a good woman understand those boundaries, why would getting coffee and learning more about the other person not be healthy, enjoyable, or within a reasonable scope of okay? Because how do you know they're a good man or a good woman? I, yeah, that, when, I, when I taught youth, that was the thing that I would say is that you know it's people put themselves during casual dating – they put themselves in, and, and, and specifically, I think, youth and teenagers, they put themselves in the most vulnerable situation with someone they don't know for the purpose of getting to know them. But they don't know them yet. And so if you don't now, now you know, if you, if you have really had an opportunity to get to know them in other settings, um, then, then yes. But you know what? I, I'm a, I'm a dad of, three daughters and the last thing that I want for them to do is to become teenagers and want to go out and just casually date people in order to get to know them better. I, I don't think you should put yourselves in those situations with someone until you know that they're a good man or a good woman. Chase? Uh, casual dating? Boy, that, that, that's, that's... This is a, where you actually have to you know, I know. I, share I'm, I'm something. Thinking, that's how I, I felt thinking, earlier in it. Ca- I don't. That's what that looks like. Yeah, that's what you look like. Look, casual. Chat going? Casual <laughs> hooking up, bad idea. Casual dating, getting deep into relationships, etc., is is a fine idea. Um, I mean, I, it's been my experience that when a guy and a girl get alone in a, uh, you know, the dark place or whatever, that dangerous things tend to happen. But what kind of things? Just you know, dangerous things like uh, reading uh, banned novels and talking about communism and stuff. Okay. Uh, but but relationships deepening between guys and girls in the body of Christ—that's a great thing. I think sometimes we are overprotective. Uh, I think we need to be rightly protective in that realm. But but wait, what are you saying? That. The- I mean, it's yeah, go deeper in relationship, but how do you do that? I mean, that's that's the question. Is it? A, I'm not saying that you don't go deeper in relationship with, you know, if you're a single guy and a single girl. I'm just saying the method by which you do that. I think there are ways to do that other than just the typical uh, cultural casual date. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with that. I I, I guess it depends on how old we're talking about here. Teenagers, sure. Uh, getting on all up from there, well, you know, I I don't necessarily have a a problem with, um, college and above hanging out with each other, uh, in a situation like that. Well, let's let's move on from from casual dating to one. I think that the the heart of what he's calls the message here, I, I think, is a valid statement, and that is women's hearts must be guarded. Um. He says the reality is that women can guard their own hearts, make their own decisions, and suffer the highs and lows of emotional intimacy just like the rest of us, if not better than the rest of us. Um, the truth is being a guardian of a heart is God's job. 
your job is to honor God, be respectful to her, and be brutally honest about when your feelings are casual and when they're not. I were you listening? Yeah, I was also following the chat. Gracious, being distracted okay. by the brilliance of of the people in the chat room. Um, I, I read this earlier. Uh, Women can guard their own you hearts. You spoke for the gospel own... friends. Did you know that? Oh, did I really? Am I with the gospel friends? Oh, I just I just put a chat. That's that's hilarious. Okay, sorry. Um, I put I put something in the chat for the first time, and it was actually came through as the gospel friends. Not oh, that's as, pretty clever. Rev the way you always intended it. Uh, all right, so God should guard a woman's heart, uh, or women can guard their own hearts. Men do not need to be a, a part of that process. No, look, that's that's fine. I will say, let, let me restate my, my ultimate position, which is I completely disagree with the whole premise of this article that guys are reticent, reluctant, holding themselves back from dating Christian women because it, although that's hype happening in isolated cases for uh, possibly understandable reasons, i.e., there's possibly a reason why somebody might not want to date you. Uh, in, in certain situations, that's not by and large what is what is happening here. By and large, what is what is happening here is I think there's a lot of guys who who want to find uh, a nice, wonderful Christian woman that are struggling to do so, and I think there are a lot of uh, women that are in the same boat that are struggling to do so. I guess one of these days we ought to have a conversation since since he brought up Josh Harris and the whole courtship movement. Uh, have we ever done a pod on that? We haven't, but we should. I'm I think a fan. We should, especially. I mean, we're all about to have teenage. Oh, I have a teenage daughter. I have a teenage. Uh, daughter. You have a teenage daughter, Nick. You're about to have a mm-hmm. teenage daughter. We ought to talk about that because that's real life for us. Well, let me let me very briefly then, because the next one is that romantic relationships would be walking towards marriage. And he said, okay, maybe it's a good idea to have a distant goal in mind that possibly in the future you could marry a person. And I intentionally said a person, not this person who you're sitting across. A table from because knowing that you're moderately amenable to walking down that road means you're probably in a good spot to date casually, honestly, and respectfully. Completely disagree. Do you completely disagree with yes, that? Because I, I kind of think he's. I, 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 you all right? So I, I guess what you're saying is you should only date somebody that you'll marry. That's what I think. Okay, I agree with that, except for the fact that the uh, you you know are you talking about you, you don't actually date a person until you know them well enough to know that you'll marry them. That's what I think. Okay. I think now I, I think for up to I'm not say as far 20, down the line as him, but I'm I'm the older I get the closer I get to that. Uh, look, I I agree with that again for teenagers. But when we're talking about people See, I, in their go, 20s go or whatever, I I think that you you're kind of getting up in age enough to where you can as a 20 something year old go out with another guy and and develop a kind of relationship to find out if this is really somebody you could marry. Look, well, that's my approach. Is biblically there's not and look biblically there was mainly arranged marriages in the Old Testament, but there's just not a lot about you know it's it's you're looking you're either single or you're looking for for a spouse essentially. I, mean, I just don't think I, I just don't see much in Scripture beyond that. And I, I just I, I pers- you know I, again when I taught youth, what I said was. You know, if you if you're casually dating and, and cultural casual dating typically involves romantic, physical affection. Forget even sex for a moment, but just making out and and those kinds of things. 
either you're doing that with someone that you have made the decision that you're going to marry, um, or you're doing that with someone that may end up being someone else's husband or wife down the road, and you don't have any business doing that. That's that's just my that's just my thought. I, I completely I, I, agree I, I with would that rather, in regards to youth, uh, getting up into twenties, mid twenties, or whatever. Uh, I would modify my stance. And, and, and look, I, I would say this. You, you certainly don't have to find out whether you're sexually compatible to be married or whether you even make out well to be married. I'm talking about getting to know each other relationally, one-on-one. I mean, that, when I say casual dating, I'm not talking about making out. I'm talking about going to the same restaurant together and going deep in relationship. Well, and let me – I'm going to I'm gonna kind of jump in and I'm, I'm waiting making for – Making out doesn't the, help the process in other words. Well, I, see, and that's where – and, and Gene actually threw out a good reference in here, and, and Nathan's doing the good service looking at the Bible verse for me. Nathan, please hurry. Um, but I recently talked to my niece, who is, I believe, 16, and her boyfriend. And, and I guess I've, I've gotten more curmudgeonly about this as um, – <laughs> dang, Nathan. Um, but you know, as my daughter does approach that teenage years, and I'll be honest, Chase, some of the, some of the different conversations that – that you've had with your daughter in, in the season of life she's in has made me more cautious about this. But in our culture that pushes sex, it doesn't push a kiss. It doesn't push holding hands. It doesn't push arms around girl at movie. It pushes get to bed. I am, I am more cautious about people that cannot marry having a committed one-on-one intimate relationship with with one person until they are in a season of life where they can marry. If if my 16-year-old daughter had a boyfriend, I would be opposed to that by a, the way. A, okay, see I would be opposed to that. Absolutely. So and, am I. And so you know, and I and I think even it, we have some some no longer teenagers but not quite out of college age young ladies here at the church. Right. And they're not in a season of, of life where they would be ready t- to marry. And so I would advise against them dating at this point. Being in so no fooling, really. Well, okay, yes. that's interesting. Yes. I don't think we can have too deep of a conversation about this on the podcast. Well, we should bring that, them that on. A, we should. Give them a call right now. But I would but there nine, was but there was a young 30. couple and I'll use this illustration. There was a young couple that, that used to be in the youth group, David Pastored and, and I and I was a youth leader with him. Um that I remember standing in David's kitchen and they said, I don't understand why we can't just have sex. We're going to get married. And it, we we're committed to one another. Well, who said that? I, I don't remember this story either. Well, I never mind. Different people now. Okay, go ahead. And so I forgot that story. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk about it at Waffle House while we're spending Nathan's money. <laughs> nice. That's the only place we could afford to eat on Nathan's money, um, or I could at least. <laughs> Chase, Again, y'all are Chase is rolling in it over here. <laughs> That's true. Two fifty. We're uh, we're going to Mickey D's and get a dollar burger. Um, Gene did say did did reference the um, if, first if Corinthians people, seven. If people cannot control themselves, let yeah. them marry. But. Yes. You know, I th- I think if you if you find any two um anatomically functioning teenagers, um and you put them in the 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 scenario to do so, they're not going to be able to control themselves. And so I think allowing them to put themselves in that situation is I I just my only thing is I I I'll you know, take two 30-year-olds, take two 35-year-olds and that's similar. But but they would be able to, I guess that's the thing for me is they would be able to marry and 
I would be pointing them to I mean, that none of us, that, look, that none, none of us have the ability or the power or the authority to tell anybody to do anything other than who's in our family. Nathan Martin said in I'm here suggest- in the chat, um, we teach our daughters that dating is for finding a spouse, not old enough to get married, sure. no dating, which is that's really the approach that I want to take with my with my children as well. And um, as they get into that age. And so, you know, it's. It's one of those things where, but but again, if you get up into someone who's in that older age bracket, I would still say the same things, that there is a danger to casual dating. I would even wonder if it's more dangerous as you have people who are older, that you're just putting yourself into vulnerable situations with people that you don't know. I just All don't right, think it's a great just idea. To be, just to be real clear, I'm not a fan of casual dating. I'm not a fan of dating in general. I don't know that the Bible mandates courtship. Uh, but but I will say a guy and a girl getting to know each other on a night out on dinner or, or whatever uh, with parents around with other friends around or whatever I, I'm not opposed to that. But that's not when casual we're talking dating. in their twenties. That's not casual dating. Uh, as a, you know as in terms of teenage daughters, teenage teenagers. See, that's general, not what I'm calling casual dating, dating either. And, and we obviously need to define our terms. Okay. okay. Uh, but. But, but I, I am opposed well, let's do to teenagers dating, especially casually dating, especially by themselves, because I think pretty much nothing but uh, trouble comes from that scenario. Well, let's do a very quick because we'll wrap this up this yeah, way. We gotta, we we're going to do a quick right track, show. wrong track. Is Eddie on the right track or the wrong track here? Uh, he's, he's on wrong track for me. Jace? Uh, yeah, wrong, wrong track. And, wrong and, premise, wrong track. Yeah, and it was just too far off base for me. So um, thanks for the discussion on that, guys, and thanks to the, the chat for keeping us um, on our toes. On our toes. And so um, we've given the contact info out a couple of times on the show, so I'll just point everyone to the website, thegospelfriends.com. We try to link any resources that we um, talked about in the show there as well as provide all the different ways to contact us. So uh, hit us up there, thegospelfriends.com, and uh, we'll um, – We'll keep everything updated there. I think for that's the show for now, so we'll say tune in next week when you may hear David say... You know, you two guys are going to have to get a lot better looking if we're going to do video component to this show. All right. And so tune in next week when you may hear David say... No, that was it. <laughs> nice. Jesus is a friend of mine.